And welcome back, everyone. It is another episode of the David Honcast. Uh, I don't know how long it's been since the last one. Uh, my days are sort of all just gluing themselves together. Um, I think I'm under the weather again. This might be like the third time since maybe September, maybe even August. So my kid, I'm getting it from my daughter. Um, she goes to daycare every day. And so she's, she's mingling with a bunch of, bunch of kids. So it's just a Petri dish in there. And, uh, I think she's had a runny nose for about the last three months. So she is, uh, she's just a, a, a big ball of snot and drool and, I have to keep a cloth handy at any moment um, because her face is just soaked in, you know, fluids from her face. So, yeah, I think I'm a little under the weather again. It's like I got I feel like I have a cold or something. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just want to sleep all the time. And for people who are curious as to whether or not I have the, uh, the Rona, uh, I do not. Uh, I can still smell. I can uh, I can still taste taste this whiskey I'm drinking. Uh, also, I ain't no pussy, so no Rona here. Uh, what's going on? So, um, a couple of things. I um, want to touch up on some election stuff. Uh, really, nothing's changed. It seems right. I feel like as time passes, uh, you know. I and other people like me get a little more pessimistic. Granted, there is an entire legal process to play out, but, you know. It's like uh, Sidney Powell keeps talking about releasing the Kraken, and I'm we're just eagerly awaiting for the Kraken to fuck shit up. And at this point, it, to me, it's starting to feel more like Phil McCracken than releasing the Kraken. Um, so, you know, I'm still holding out hope that something comes of this because there's just too much weird shit going on with the election and the ballot counting in very specific counties and, and swing states. Um, I like how all of the recounts and all of the votes that they find seem to benefit one side, as in when they do find something, when they do find out that they screwed up, it's like, oh, hey, uh, we got these uh, 3,000 ballots that we found, and um, oh, about 70% of them for Trump, oops, you know, or every time there's some sort of a glitch, um, you know, these things swing one way, but the latest news that I found was... Um, regarding Wayne County out of Michigan, which I think is Detroit. Um, It says the Wayne County Board of Canvassers has just unanimously voted to certify the election and call on Michigan um, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson to conduct an audit of the unexplained precincts in Wayne County that did not match and then subsequently, there was a tweet from a Kayla Rubel. It says, in a late night twist, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers unanimously agreed 
to certify the results on the condition the Secretary of State's office conducts a comprehensive audit of the unexplained out-of-balance precincts across the county. Now, there's someone I've been following on Instagram. Uh, she goes by Missy. Her handle is Scorpio. if you want to give her a follow. Um, I've been following her for a while now. She is a bit of a legal scholar. She works in law. And I find that her page is very informative when it comes to things of legal matter. So give her a follow. And I think she does a really good job of clarifying um, clarifying things like this, speaking in layman's terms, uh, so people like me uh, can understand. But her take on this whole thing was, uh, she says, and I'm just sort of reading off of her profile at this point, says, this is backwards. Uh, you can't certify votes if there needs to be audits. Hence, an audit can't be a condition of certification. So she says that Michigan is in some strange circular logic loop. She, go, she, she goes on to say, if they're found to be complicit in this fraud, Cindy may sue the stuffing out of them. Sydney would be, um, you know, um, Sydney Powell. Trump's lawyer, who is also General Flynn's lawyer. Um, and she ends her post by saying, this will be interesting evidence for a court. The state's own legislature initially flagged their own county for fraud. That will definitely pass the rationale test in federal court. So, like I said, there's just a, it seems like there's just a small trickle of stuff coming out here and there every day. And um, it's really it's 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 probably a little difficult to have some patience for all this, because you know on the one side you see these irregularities made possible by modern technology and the fact that we have the technology to track votes, um, where they're coming from, who's registered, um, and things like that. And so there's, there, there just seems to be too many irregularities. And then you got the other side who's just, just ignoring it altogether. But hopefully something, something comes of this. Um, you know, just keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, what's, what else is going on? Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, I want to start off uh, by by mentioning uh, out here in California, for those people who don't live in California, um, I'm going to talk about the um, ballot proposition 22 that recently passed this past election. And effectively what that did was it carved out an exemption uh, for uh, rideshare companies like Uber, Lyft, and Postmates, um, so they can continue to work as independent contractors. Um, and so this was in response to, um, Assembly Bill 5, also known colloquially as AB5 here in California. And for those people who don't know what that means, it's, it's just an Assembly Bill that, um, forced these rideshare companies to treat, their independent contractors as employees. And so this obviously would be a disaster for that industry. And uh, luckily, they passed Proposition 22. 
which would have meant which 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 sort of again it 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 doesn't repeal AB five. It just carves out an exemption, which is stupid. Um, had Proposition Twenty Two not passed, it would effectively have ended uh, rideshare and app food delivery in the state of California. It just would have. It, it, there, there's there's no way that those companies could afford to employ this that many people in the state of California at as much as it costs to employ people in the state of California. So. Um, now where am I going with this? Um, well, I, uh, for a few years, for about two solid years, I worked for Uber Eats. So I just delivered food through Uber Eats and Postmates for about two years as a stopgap, uh, while I was transitioning to another career. And so I have firsthand knowledge on how the industry works um, I have firsthand knowledge of dealing with other individuals who work in the industry and how fucking lazy they are and how much they complain. It's annoying. So first off, uh, people who deliver food for Uber Eats and Postmates, they don't, they don't need to be employees. You're, you're not an employee. What job, what, what, what job can you get out there where... You can effectively work when you want, you start work when you want, you finish work when you want, you take a break when you want, um, you know, you can work where you want. I, I don't, I don't understand, <laughs> I don't understand, like, a, a, what job as an employee can you do that? Um... So there's that. But then the other thing is uh, a lot of, I, I watched and read a lot of these drivers because I was a part of Facebook groups. And I would say probably 90% of them just were there to fucking bitch and moan about the job. And so here's the thing. It's not a job that you're supposed to do full time. Now I did it full time for for the better part of two years, I was in my car 40 to 50 hours a week and I just delivered food. I didn't want to do rideshare because I just didn't want people in my car. I don't, I don't have, I didn't have a car at the time that would even accommodate that. But I, uh, I, I generally don't like people that much. So I decided to go the food delivery route and, you know, deliver fast food to people around midnight because I care for them deeply. I do. You know, I was doing them a favor, and who else was going to do it, right? Had to be somebody. But anyways, so all these fucking people would do is complain about how much money they're not making. And there was probably about one in ten people in this group specifically who, you know, we were... You know, we were, we were high producers and, and they all, we all had something in common and it was the willingness to work a lot of hours to just grind for hours on end, eight to 10 hours a day. And also to go where the money was. Now, every night I started work between seven and 9 p.m., and I would drive 10 miles north to uh, West Los Angeles. 
because that's where the money was. All right? Where I was living, there's not a whole lot of demand or use for the service. So the deliveries, the, 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 the pickups were farther away. The deliveries were farther away from the pickup. And so you spend more time driving to your drop or your next pickup. So what I would do is I would drive 10 miles north to West Los Angeles, and uh, it was just busy because parking is, is at a premium there, and people just don't want to leave their houses. So I was busy. Um, and I kind of figured this out. Uh, you know, the, the part of the, the, part of the, the, uh, the, the good thing about being in that group as you could pick the brains of people who are doing really well. I mean, I was, I, I, I you know, I, I, I knew people in the group who, there's this one guy, for instance, he worked probably 16 hours a day, six days a week. So he made like 90 grand um, delivering for Postmates and Uber Eats. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money to deliver food. That's also a lot of hours to work, but he was also willing to do that. Um... Not everyone was willing to do that. And so, you know, people who would complain, they, they wouldn't go out of their way to make more money. They would say, well, I live in this neighborhood. I'm not driving all the way out here. Or I work these hours. I'm not going to change that. And that's the problem because, again, the patterns are pretty set as to where business is high and when it's high. So... Um, you know, the people who were willing to do that did well. Um, and the people who weren't just complained, they bitched and moaned and they, all they did was sit there and say, Hey, I, we, you know, we need a minimum guarantee, you know, I'm destroying my car, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, these are the type of people who don't understand that again, you're not supposed to be doing this full time. And if you are, there are certain sacrifices you have to make to make it work. If you're only doing a couple hours a day, from what I understand, the algorithm does not favor you. The algorithm favors people who work a lot and work consistently. All right? That doesn't sound fair, but look, I mean, if, if it, it makes sense to reward the producers. So... You know, these were the people who, who, who were cheering for something like AB5 and were cheering for workman's comp and all this other shit. And I kept telling these idiots, I said, look, you're going to want all these things. You want Uber Eats, you want Uber and Postmates and whoever to give you all these things. And you're going to make less money than you did before because you're not going to have a fucking job. So zero is less than whatever it was you were complaining about making in the first place. So these people were the annoying ones. And, um, you know, I, at a certain point, I just sort of walked away from the groups because I just got tired of, of reading people bitching and moaning. But, you know, I, I picked the brains of, the, of people who did well. And I asked them, um, you know, what they do, where they work, and all this other stuff. And some people were a little close to the vest as far as where they work or whatever, and, you know. I don't really care about that, but I sort of figured it out on my own, you know. Um, 
I bought a cheap car. I bought a, a two-door Honda Accord for $2,700. Had a manual transmission, and uh, it already had 185,000 miles when I bought it. So there really isn't any more depreciation that can happen to that thing. As far as wear tear was concerned, I, I, I did my own maintenance. I changed my brakes. When my clutch went out, I changed my clutch. Um, you know, when the timing belt needed to be done, I changed the timing belt. Um, not altogether certain I did a good job. That might be the reason why the, the, the engine took a shit, but you know, that's in the past. I no longer have that car. So let's, uh, you know, no need to talk about that, but you know, I drove a high mileage old car that I worked on myself. So, you know, it, it was, it was a way to minimize the cost of doing the job and the mileage wasn't terrible. I probably averaged 19 or 20 miles per gallon in the city. And I drove overnights. So I would drive from, say, 7 p.m., 9 p.m., all the way up until sometimes 3, 4 in the morning. Um, that's a tough schedule to do, but there's still demand at that time of night, especially in West Los Angeles. Um, especially, well, really, yeah, Los Angeles in general. I mean, you're talking West Hollywood. You're talking uh, downtown. There's a lot of demand for that all through the night. Because, you know, it's Los Angeles. And so there's also less traffic. So I spend less time sitting in traffic. So the, my, my fuel economy was better in that regard. I did drive more miles per dollar. So there was a trade-off. I did the math, and it was actually better driving at night with less traffic to get better fuel economy. So I did that, and I want to say, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I did keep a spreadsheet of every of every day I worked for two years, and I want to say I averaged probably around $25, $26 an hour for the whole thing. Um, and that's net. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't um, take into consideration gas. I want to say that on average gas was probably 15 to 20% of what I earned, which still isn't too bad. You know, if it was twenty percent, if I'm making twenty-five, I'm I'm coming away with twenty after that. So, you know, I made the best of it that I could. You know, you know, I I, I did something that you know it's it's not meant for, and that's that's full-time work. But you know, there are things that you can do to make make that full-time work, you know, beneficial and 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 work for you. A lot of these people weren't willing to do it. And those were the people who were calling for uh, mandated uh, employment benefits uh, from these companies. But you know, being economically retarded, uh, they wouldn't understand that, well, the companies would just cease to do business in the state of California. And so, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think these, these, these companies are you know, benevolent anyway, I understand the nature of their business. You know, I understand their motivation is really to pay me enough to keep me working, which was fine. You know, if, if it were just, if it were just them paying, uh, then, you know, the, the, the hourly rate wasn't that great. What made the hourly rate great was the tips from, from the, from the customers. And, and something that I noticed is that Uber Eats customers don't tip. Um, they don't tip that much. Maybe one in three. Uh, 
one in three Uber Eats customers here in Los Angeles, in my experience. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, a few thousand deliveries through Uber Eats and Postmates combined. Um, they don't tip very much. Uber Eats customers tip maybe one in three. Whereas Postmates customers, they tip probably 70 to 80% of the time. So there's a trade-off. I did both. It was another recommendation of individuals who uh, made, a, made a lot of money doing this. And when I say a lot of money, I don't mean a lot of money in an absolute sense. I mean a lot of money in a you're getting paid this much money to pick up fast food and hand it to somebody to eat. Literally anyone can do the job. The, the only fucking, um, I think the only barrier to entry is a background check. So if you didn't murder or rape somebody, you can deliver food for Uber Eats and Postmates. So, um, gosh, what was I saying? I was off on a fucking tangent or something. Oh, I remember what I was talking about now. So doing, doing, doing two apps at the same time. So one of their, um, you know, one of the recommendations was to run two apps at the same time. And you kind of had to get used to doing that because you had to have both on. And then you take a delivery from one or the other. Uh, generally what happened was I took the delivery, you know, the first delivery that popped up, I took that one and then shut the other one off. And then what you do is you shut the other app off. You go pick up the food. You start your delivery. When you're almost at the when you're almost at the drop site, you t- turn the other app on to see if you catch anything. And so it takes a little time to get this right. And you know, I think at a certain point, I was doing mostly Uber Eats, and I was probably doing three to four drops per hour. Which before tips, you know, you're talking maybe fifteen to seventeen dollars an hour if you're doing three between three and four drops per hour, and then tips come in. So, um, and that would put, put me over the threshold of, of 20. And I did that for years and I was driving probably 35,000 plus miles per year, uh, doing this, um, because I was just switching, I was switching careers. I was going from being a personal trainer to becoming a home inspector. And, um, you know, my, my stop gap was, uh, delivering fast food to people. But I'm not doing that stuff anymore, and I'm happy. You know, I'm just I'm glad I don't have to sit in a car for 40, 50 hours a week. But it was it was something that I needed to do that allowed me flexibility to do what I do now, and I'm doing really well doing what I do now. Um, obviously, I'd like to do do more, but um, it was just a, it, it's an example of sort of doing the things that you need to do in order to do the things that you want to do. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is about the culture where if something is hard, you, you need to make a law to make it easier for you. Uh, there's no fulfillment in that. Maybe there's a fulfillment in, in imposing control on, on other people. But at the same time, all it does is it sort of just, it, it just, it just drowns everybody in mediocrity. Because that's who these fucking people are. They're just mediocre-ass people. They don't, they don't want to go out and then just fucking get on the grinder. They, 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 uh, it's, it's a lot of these sort of... It's a lot of these millennials. I don't want to say... I'm not bagging on millennials. It's an easy thing to do. But you know, we're talking like 
22, 27 year olds around there. So, you know, you're talking, you're talking probably the, the, um, the late millennials and man, they just, they just, you know, they, they encounter some form of hardship and they just fucking fall apart. I don't get it. Now I'm pretty sure there are exceptions, right? There's exceptions to everything, but it's just, there's, there's a reason the stereotype exists and I, I witness it. It's just, they're fucking overly sensitive and they're, they're, they're easy to discourage. I, I don't know what that is. I, I can't relate to it at all. Maybe that's why most of my friends are older than me. I'm 40. Well, I'll be 42 here pretty soon. But they're either older than me or, and I figured this out, um, they're either older than me or they're like 10 years younger than me. It's really weird. But anyways, uh, enough of that. Um, so... I was once again forced to watch The Bachelorette tonight. Uh, yeah, like my wife forced me to sit on the couch and look at the TV while we're watching this. So I guess um, uh, the the Bachelorette, she fucking uh, bailed. She decided that uh, she was just going to pick the dude without going through the rest of the dudes uh, for the first time ever. Which, look, it makes sense, man. She's fucking, she's like 39 years old, all right? She's probably... Just like, all right, that's it. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to fuck around with this stuff. Which look, it makes sense because if you're watching the show, um, you know, early on she did this dodgeball thing where she it was strip dodgeball, so the losing team with every game would have to take their clothes off, and it was just at some point the losing team was completely naked. And then the winning team just had their jock straps on. And listen, that makes complete sense for a 39-year-old chick, man. Because at this point in her life, she's like, okay, uh, what do you do for work? All right, now show me your dick. All right, cool. Let's go. Right? I mean, there's a lot, apparently there's a lot of drama uh, on the episode that she left. But um, they replaced her with, uh, I guess, someone named Tasha, who was on a prior season of The Bachelor. I remember her when my wife forced me to watch that season of The Bachelor. And I gotta say, it's a step up because uh, Tasha's younger, she's better looking, she's not fucking neurotic, crazy ass. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think that relationship between her and what's-his-fucking-face is gonna last anyway. But, you know, maybe they have to carry on the persona that, or, the you know, the... the um, the facade that they're still together uh, because of, you know, contractual obligations, whatever. But I watched that episode where <laughs> he proposed to her and he just didn't seem like he was into it. I got the feeling a dude wanted to uh, just get on the show to increase his social media profile and he, uh, he got fucking punked by being the man of uh, What's-Her-Face's dreams. And, uh, you know, he just sort of, he just sort of had this deer in the headlights look when they brought him back. So yeah, I guess this thing's going on still with this other chick and, um, it's still just as stupid, but I'm pretty sure that my wife will continue to force me to watch this. So anyways, that's all for tonight. Uh, not as long as usual. I just wanted to get something out there. Uh, Thanksgiving is next week, and we've got um, honor our our, our um, supreme leader Gavin Newsom 
putting out Thanksgiving guidelines for us folks here in the People's Republic of California. And um, I plan on doing a recording just before Thanksgiving. Uh, and so I'll go over those and how I intend to violate all of them. All right. I love every one of you, my tens of listeners. Uh, until next time, have a good night.